uh, birthday announcement for this month and all that good stuff. And then for today, as you can tell, this morning is going to be a special morning. It is going to be a little bit longer of a service because we do have Lord's Supper today. I encourage you, if you are able to stay and partake and you feel able to do so, please do. It's a special time of life at the church. It's a command of God, but it's also a time where the Lord reminds us of what He's done for us. And it, it, I believe it'll help your heart today as you look to His Word. In case you're also wondering, in your bulletin here, we've got this evening, uh, in your bulletin, this goes along with your insert, the head, the heart, and the home, building faith from the inside out. How many of y'all want a strong church spiritually? How many of y'all want a strong home spiritually? Then you've got to be strong yourself. Amen? You make up the home, you make up the church. Now, how many husbands and fathers we got out there? A few of you. A couple of you just ain't even going to raise your hand. That's all right. <laughs> your wife's in. She'll let you know if you are or not, okay? Now, here's what this is for. This insert tonight, we're not going to have service at church here tonight. All right? Here's what we're, go- here's what we're going to do. I want to encourage each one of you tonight to take this home. That's why we put it in your bulletin. There's extras on the back table, and it's getting posted on Facebook tonight at 6 o'clock in case you missed that, all right? So there is no reason. And here's what we want to do. Take you five, ten minutes tonight. If it's just you, it's just you and the Lord. Read, reflect, rest. The Sabbath is for rest, right? And respond this week to what God is going to show us in this devotion. And then if you are not living by yourself, If you're a husband, a father, get with your family. Five, ten minutes. Read, reflect, rest, and respond. Pray together and enjoy an evening together tonight. We want to encourage you because we want to strengthen your heart, but we want to strengthen your home. A strong home makes a strong church. Strong churches make a strong community. All right? So we want to do something different. Because I know, let's be honest, a lot of folks don't come out to Sunday night for a lot of reasons. It's nighttime, it's wintertime, it's raining, and a million other things. Or maybe just because you don't even want to come. But there is no reason why we should not be praying, studying, having devotion with the Lord, and especially with our families. Men, it will make all the difference in your home if you lead your home spiritually. Here's one simple tool to help you, All right, We want to give you a night to rest with your family and to rest in the Lord. I know it's a little different, but uh, we'll be okay tonight, all right? Uh, then today, of course, is the Lord's Supper. Please uh, keep that in mind today. And because it is a little bit longer of a service today, that's why we want to give you off tonight, all right? Because you don't have off tonight. What you've got is five, ten minutes, or however long it takes you to be with the Lord or to be with the Lord and your family, all right? Uh, then second Sunday surprise. <laughs> surprise looks like it's this Sunday. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, the second Sunday of February the twelfth, we will be having a sort of a, a surprise uh, evening. We'll we'll announce that uh, probably next week. All right. We wanted to build up the suspense. Uh, then February the twenty sixth. That's coming quick, fast, and in a hurry. We'll be having one of our missionaries here with us. He's on on furlough, and so uh, that's Brother Manny Almavez, a great man of God, and we're looking forward to having him here with us. So mark that on your calendar. It is always great to have missionaries with us today. Uh, but here's what I want to do for us this morning. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to stay to our feet. We're going to sing. And then a little while later, we've got a couple guys missing from our men's prayer advance. We just got back yesterday afternoon, and we've got a few guys this morning who want to just share what the Lord helped them with this past weekend at men's prayer advance. And as well, 
by way of doing so, to hopefully encourage some of you men as well, make a point next year if you can. Come out with us. You'll laugh until you'll cry. You'll worship the Lord. You'll hear good preaching. And I believe that you'll be challenged and strengthened by, by the Lord. Right, so let's pray. God, we want to come to you this day. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that we can gather. We can worship you. Lord, we thank you that we can trust that your presence is here with us. Lord, we, we can trust that through Christ and in Christ we can come now to your throne to give you glory and honor and to ask you as well, Lord, for every need. God, we're a needy people. Lord, we need you to do the simplest of things for us. And God, help us to have faith enough to depend upon you, to trust you, to come to you. And Lord, that you would reveal yourself today through your word, through Christ, and that you would show us Christ today, that we might surrender by faith. Lord, we pray that today that you would be with every song, that it would glorify you. We pray for every man that's going to be uh, giving testimony of your faithfulness this past weekend. God, that you would bless their words, bless their hearts, bless the hearers as well, God. Lord, tonight as we're not gathering here, but we're gathering in our homes I pray that you would help individuals to get alone with you. You would help families to get alone with you and to rest with one another, to encourage one another, to be strengthened by, by your word. And Lord, that you would help and encourage the fathers, the husbands, Lord, to lead their homes tonight. God, we just want to thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you that you've given us this time. And we pray that you would do with it as you see fit. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Let us begin our worship in song this morning. Our hymn will be hymn number 502, and if you're able, please stand. In my heart there rings a melody, and guess who gave that song in my heart to me? My Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.16 tells us, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Amen. That's a good reminder. Remember, we're singing to the Lord when we sing songs at this church. Amen. Sing to the Lord. In my heart there rings a melody. I have a song that Jesus gave me, it was sent from heaven above, there never was a sweeter melody, this a melody of love, in my heart there rings a melody, there rings a melody with heaven's harmony. In my heart there rings a melody, there rings a melody of love. I love the Christ who died on Calvary, for he washed my sins away. He put within my heart a melody, and I know it's Be a song with glorious heart. 
this morning. Our next song is Jesus is Coming Again. Hymn number 753. Bible tells us in John 14 3 and this is one of the most comforting verses in the Bible. I said one of the most not the most. John 14 3 tells us and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also the, all the words in that verse is the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. And Pastor mentioned this in Sunday school this morning. I believe he's coming again. God, God uh, never lies. He said he was coming again. Marvelous message we bring. Glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the King, Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again. Jesus is coming. Ha. 
on that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Our next song, and if you're able, please remain standing, is at Calvary, hymn number 492. The Bible tells us in Luke 22:33, And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. Great words. I believe Peter was the one who said that. At Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, no Soul imploring turn to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that salvation's plan oh the grace that brought it down to man oh the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary mercy there was great and grace was free pardon there was multiplied to me there my burden so fell Just a few more minutes here. Let's go around and greet everybody. Shake hands, smile, say hello, wave. You, you can stay there in your seat or you can move around, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Thank you for helping out. Yes.
find our way back to our seat. One of our guys that went on the prayer advance, if they wouldn't mind coming up forward here. We got, we got a couple of our guys missing. I want to thank the Lord. We had six guys go, including myself, the men's prayer advance this past weekend in Roanoke through Christ Life Ministries. Uh, in case That's Harold Vaughn's ministry that they run. They put on a fantastic prayer advance. But I want to have our guys go ahead and come on up. If you went to the men's prayer advance, would you come on up here? I just want to thank the Lord that, first of all, that we had a group go this year. And uh, it was all of these guys' first time. It was myself, uh, Brother Brett, Tony, Josiah, Brother Jeff, and, and Travis. And Travis and Josiah are both uh, at home today. Uh, Travis had some sick kids, and uh, Josiah was sick himself. I don't know if he was sick of us, but he, was, he wouldn't be able to come anyways. We had a fabulous time. The Lord met with us. Uh, the Lord took care of many needs, and it was there's nothing like, uh, there's nothing like just hearing all those voices praise the Lord. It's like, it, it, it's like it is here, but just a bunch of men. So it's a lot smellier. <laughs> but <laughs> that's right. But I thank God uh, that we got to hear some fabulous preaching. We got some help in some different areas. And uh, it's nothing like good Christian brotherhood and fellowship. So I want to give these guys an opportunity to say a few words about their experience, what the Lord did for them. Well, everybody, I want to talk about this trip a little bit. <laughs> a couple of sessions I really like, a burning heart for God, and then Friday afternoon session, uh, we talked about there's no rights and no reputation when we give, give that up to Christ. And I didn't understand what that meant, no rights, no reputation. But I asked a couple of people and they explained it to me that when you give yourself to Christ, your body belongs to Christ and your life belongs to Christ. So a burning heart for God, like this world has lost their burning heart for God. So to relight that fire, it starts with us giving our lives as a church to God and then going out there spreading the gospel in the community and to start a fire in the community spiritually. Boy, I love me some Brett Petty, don't y'all? Um, like he was saying, uh, it was good to uh, just get away and to, uh, more than anything, just spend some time with uh, my brothers in Christ. Um, there were many laughs. There were uh, tears shed. There was um, great worship going on. And like, uh, like Joe said, there is nothing like hearing the voices of men praising God. That's that's uh that's what we did this weekend was we praised the Lord, we worshiped, we learned about God and uh just one of the things that uh I took away, like he said there was a uh evangelist there that had a breakout session and that was when people broke out and they had uh different topics that they could attend uh, to to hear spoke about and uh we went to one uh, that Ron Lynch was teaching. Um as he said before, he, um, as Christians, being uh, being dead with Christ, um, 
we have no rights. We live in a world today that is, they teach us, look out for number one. That's all that matters. And uh, that's, uh, and I'm guilty of that as well. I think we all are. But um, when we realize what Christ did for us in our new position as believers, it, it really changes. He, uh, he brought up uh, Romans 6, starting in 7. It said, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died. He died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he talked about uh, reckoning ourselves to be dead. He said, well, well, that doesn't, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, before Christ, we had our own lives. We had our own wants and wishes. And now in the life of the Christian, um, a lot of times we're guilty of trying to imitate Christ through our works and through our good deeds. Living the Christian life isn't about trying our best. It's about surrender. Letting God work in our hearts. The more dead we are to ourselves, the more we die to our wants, wishes, the more alive we can be in Christ. God comes and he, he works um, not through the outside in, but through the inside out. And it's just that daily surrender. Um, when someone cuts you off and you want to you maybe wave at them and not with all fingers, <laughs> you're dead to Christ. When someone does you wrong, you're dead to Christ. When things aren't going your way, you're dead to Christ. And um, I think there are many men who, uh, who live that. And uh, one to me is uh, Jim Elliott. How many of you know who Jim Elliott is? He was a missionary who gave his life. He was, uh, he was murdered by the people he was trying to witness to. And uh, it was a whole group of men, five of them, I think, were killed. And um, they had guns and weapons to protect themselves. But they realized they reckoned themselves dead. They gave their life for the cost. And um, I look at church in the day and I think about the people. How many of you still know that there are people being killed for our faith? I look back at the Church of America and we look about maybe going to two service, maybe spend a little extra time and we think it's such a great sacrifice. Friends, we know nothing about sacrifice. And I'll just share a quote from Jim Elliott. I'm sure many of you have heard it before. But he said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So I... I encourage you, uh, brothers, men of the church, try to make it a point to go next year. You won't be sorry. You'll have fellowship. You'll worship the Lord. You'll learn more about God. And I encourage you, if you can next year, make it a point to go.
Thank you. Yeah, they're absolutely right. And I know we had a few other guys that couldn't, couldn't make it, but uh, I can tell you this, there's a CC's in Roanoke that will never be the same. We, we took it for all it was worth. But uh, thankful for what the Lord's doing and lives. And I'm thankful that here's what happens. And this, this is from a pastor's perspective. The reason why I love a conference like this or bringing revival speakers is not that they're necessarily going to say something I might not have said before. But they're going to say it in a way that sometimes just clicks. And when you get alone on a weekend like this, right, you're with yourself and your group and your God. There's no distraction. You're not worried about anything else. And that's when the Lord can really do His work. And the Spirit is just heavy, convicting, encouraging, doing the work that He desires to do. So I encourage you to come. But I, I'm grateful for the testimonies this morning. And I'm looking forward to what, what these men who came this past weekend are living and looking like six months from now. It was said this past weekend, revival is not that there's a change right now. Revival comes, and you know it came, when there's a continued change later. And I believe that's what we really are missing. But uh, this time, get to introduce Miss Cammie from her world tour. Stop by to see it. I'm going to quit before I get in trouble. That's a good idea. You should probably do that.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I sure would appreciate if you'd pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day. Even thank you for the rain, Lord. You sent it. We need it. We praise you for it. We thank you, Lord, for dying for us on the cross of Calvary. We thank you, Lord, for that great mercy and grace you bestowed upon us, giving your life sinless, perfect, pure, holy, righteous life and blood for an unholy, unrighteous life such as mine. And I praise you for that, your compassion, your love, your pity on your people, on the whole world for that matter, Lord. We pray for those that are blinded and without Christ that their eyes would be opened someday soon, Lord. And if there's one eyes blinded in our midst here today that today would be the day of salvation and that they would see that your your great love and your mercy and your grace and your shed blood and life on the cross of Calvary. Lord, we ask your blessings on uh, the uh, remainder of the service. We praise you and thank you for your blessings thus far. We ask, Lord, that you would bless our pastor, give him strength and a fresh touch Lord, from heaven, that he might preach and proclaim your great message from your great word here today. We want to tell you we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray and ask all things. Amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand. And we will sing, Behold Our God. The Bible tells us in Hebrew 1.8, But unto the Son... He saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. This song tells a lot about God on the throne, the king, and, uh, and one day we're going to behold that face to face. And that gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Amen. Behold our God. 
I want to say this morning as I get started something that was told to me on the way to the van as we were leaving yesterday. We were walking through a field. Church was a great big old, big old place. We were walking through the field to get to our, our vehicle, to our church van that we definitely did not speed in on the way down and pass anybody on or something like that. We were talking about, man, that was great. And old, old, old Tony looked and he said, you know, and he paused and he said, as great as that was, there's no place I'd rather worship God than at Victory Way. That should be our heart. There was a theme this weekend, and before we even got too deep in the weekend, Brother Brett had preached the message that I needed. 
we were we were coming back from Chick-fil-A. Brett had gotten, some, I don't want to tell on you, but he, he got some Chinese and he got dessert from Chick-fil-A, and I don't blame him a bit for that. <laughs> I was getting Chick-fil-A, and, and we were walking back together, and we were talking about the escalator. We had to go back down. And he said, that first step on that escalator, it's always kind of makes you nervous, you know? That thing always looks like an alligator kind of ready to, to get you. But Brett preached a message, and it was a short one, shorter than this morning, but it was dead right, and it summed up the whole weekend. It summed up really what it means to be a Christian. He said, you take that first step on that escalator by faith, and it'll carry you the rest of the way. You think about that. Matter of fact, I would tell you, don't think about it too hard. My brother preached that, and that's the truth. We need faith. Faith, one, to get on that escalator, and faith to trust that it's going to carry us on. Take your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 3 this morning. John chapter number 3. Going to be looking at a verse that you probably got memorized. John 3.16 this morning. I want to read verses 16 down through, through 21. We're going to be continuing what the Lord's been doing here. God is always revealing Himself to His people. And what we got a little glimpse of this weekend is our, our great need to respond to Him. And the only way that we can truly respond to God, and the only way that we ought to respond to God, is by faith. Faith is simply trusting God for who He is, what He's like, what He said He's done, what He's doing, what He's going to do. You can trust God today because you cannot trust yourself, you cannot trust your flesh, you cannot trust probably the person even sitting next to you. You know why? Because they're in their flesh too. We can trust a God who is holy and righteous and good and kind and gracious. Today we're going to see that we serve a God who is love. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to light, cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to you. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the testimonies this morning, for the songs sung. God, we were reminded that you were a God who. Lord, you're just God. God, we thank you for the work that you're doing in hearts today, the work that you're going to do today. God, if there's one in this place who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would, before the service is over, bring a great, great, 
power of conviction upon their life, upon their heart, God, that they would see their great need for Jesus and to believe upon Him for their salvation. God, that You might save a soul today. God, that You might right a heart today. That You might right a wrong today. God, that You would draw us closer together, closer to You, that we would see Your glory, that we would, that we would die to ourselves, that we might have Christ live in us and through us. Lord, that we might glorify You more in our life. God, that we might simply surrender by faith to all that You have revealed Yourself to be. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to know today before we kick this off, you are unworthy and I am unworthy today to know God. Now, I'm nothing but a worm. I'm nothing but dust. I'm nothing but vile flesh that sins against a holy and a righteous God. And yet today what we're going to see is that God still yet somehow, and I don't understand it, He loves me. And He loves you. Today, I want to tell you before we go any further, do not let this happen to you where you say, I don't understand how God could love me today. I've sinned too much. I've gone too far. I just don't think He could love me. Do not let that be in your mind or your heart. Rather, look and go, how could He love me? I don't know, but I do know this, that He does. I don't understand the depths and the riches of His grace and His mercy or His love toward me, but I know and can trust that God loves me, even me. And He loves you, even you. And He does not want you to die and go to a real hell. Nor, dear Christian, does He want you to live a meaningless, unvictorious, sin-filled Christian life. He would have you be surrendered as you see Him in all of His love and beauty and be surrendered to be used mightily of God. We must see that God's grace is always revealing God to us that we might know Him. He's got to do the revealing, but we must respond by faith. God says, this is who I am. And faith says, yes, it is. You are that. Grace says, this is what I am like. Faith says, that's what you're like, because that's what you said. God says it. We trust it. But it causes our hearts to respond. Faith takes a hold on the promises of God's grace. Nothing else can and nothing else will. Grace reveals and faith responds. Nothing in life is done outside of grace through faith. That's God's operation. From salvation to sanctification to every moment of your life, it is a gift of God's grace. But it's only understood, it's only applied, it's only received as you respond by faith. Trust and dependence upon God because one, you can't live unto yourself, you can't save yourself, you can't sanctify yourself. You need God today. And if you're here today, I want you to want God. I want you to need God because unless you see those two things, we're in trouble. You're in trouble. We desperately need God and we desperately need a God today who shows us His great love toward us. A.W. Tozer asked this question. If God gives you a watch, are you honoring Him more by asking Him what time it is or by simply consulting the watch? Think about that for a moment. God has given us a watch. God's grace is the watch. 
Faith looks at what God has already provided. Faith looks at the watch. That's the last time I'm going to look at that watch this morning. (laughs) Grace is the watch. Grace provides God's revealing to us all that you need to know. All that we can. It's given by grace. We know nothing about God unless He reveals Himself. But how can we understand God? How can we know God? How can we walk with God? Look at the watch that God has given you. He has given us everything that we need to know Him. Faith looks at what God has revealed and provided for us, and here's what He has provided and revealed for us. Here's what He's given. He's given you His Word. And as we see in this, His Word today, in verse 16, He's given you even much more than just His Word. He has given you His very Son, Jesus Christ, the God-Man. Today, if you want to see the love of God, you must look to Jesus. Today, if you want to understand salvation, you must look to Jesus. Today, if you want to see God's revelation, you must look to Jesus. Today, if you want to fight your sin and put it to death, you must look to Jesus. You must trust Jesus today. Not just to be saved, but if you are saved today, you must keep trusting Jesus. Faith, faith in God. In the past few weeks, we have looked at this, that God is unending. He has no beginning and no end. He is the cause of both, however. And He is unchanging. And because He is unchanging, I can trust Him because the Bible still tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That means yesterday He was the same, today He's the same, and forevermore He will be the same, in case you were wondering. We've seen that God is simply God. There is no other. Last week, we talked... We saw how God is sovereign and God is holy. And today we are going to see that God is love. Every attribute of God that He has revealed must be applied by our response of faith to Him. Have you responded? You might say, well, I I know the simplicity. God loves me. That's good. I want you to think about this. See, the reason why we don't understand the love of God is not because God doesn't tell us that He loves us. It's because we don't see how unlovable we are, which makes His love even more infinite than it already is. I'm not lovable. Believe that or not. I am sinful. I go against God. I've gone against His will. I've blasphemed. I've committed idolatry. I've lusted. I've been proud and boastful. I am saved today because God loves me. And by His grace, He has saved me through the sacrifice of His own Son. And look at this today. Everything that we need to know about God is revealed in and by Jesus Christ. Everything that you need for your Christian life is revealed and seen in Jesus Christ. If you are struggling with faith, you must look to Jesus, the incarnate Word, and the Bible, the inspired Word. Outside of that, you've got no hope and you've got no word from the Lord. You've got no new revelation, nor are we looking for a new revelation. We're looking for the revelation that God has already given to us. We do not need a new revelation. We need to trust what has already been given. That is our great issue today in Christianity. We don't trust God and that He has spoken. God has spoken. We have a book and we must trust God's revealing. We understand this though. 
Love is only found in God's revealed Word. Love is only found in God's grace. Love is only, and true love is only found in God. This world will lead you astray about what love looks like. You've got those who say, oh, we got Valentine's Day coming up, right? You've already seen a Walmart because they've had it out since the day after Christmas. Hearts everywhere, Valentine's Day stuff, Cupid stuff, arrows with XOXO one, and we go, oh, love is in the air. Virginia is for. <laughs> love is everywhere, right? However, it is a mockery of what love looks like. Love does not come and go like all this lovey dovey stuff on the shelves at Walmart. Love is. Choice, action, but we only know what love is because God chose to love us. I would never love God unless He loved me. In my flesh, according to John chapter 3, these verses we even read, I don't love God in my flesh. And today, if you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you have never repented of your sins, I can tell you this, you don't love God neither. You might have the nicest clothes. You might have the biggest check. You might have all the prestige. But without knowing Christ, without ever having trusted Him, you have no love for God in your heart. You have a great love for yourself and you mask it with an outward appearance of love. But you don't know real love. And no man knows real love until he meets Christ. That's love. Name one other person that left the glory of heaven and that came here and that died the death that you deserve, the death of a criminal, that sin and the curse itself, because of you and your sin and your choices, was placed upon Him and that He would die willingly, even in some of His last breaths, saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now tell me you know love outside of Jesus. We don't. However, we make the other mistake, and this is what we see all around us at Walmart and on the sitcoms and everywhere else, is that love is emotions. No. If you love someone, are there some emotions? Sure. I hope you have some sort of, husbands, I hope you have some sort of emotion for your wife if you love her. And I hope it's a good emotion. And your wife's going, right now. You just got back from the prayer advance. It better be good. You better love it. You better miss me, right? Love does have emotion. But love is not controlled by emotion. If that were the case, ain't none of us would have been married. Ain't none of us would still be married. And even further, let's think spiritually. None of us would be alive. I'd be in hell right now if it's not for the love of God. So would you. Richard Sibbs wrote, Measure not God's love or favor by your own feeling. The sun shines as clearly in the darkest day as it does in the brightest. The difference is not in the sun, but that some clouds which hinder the manifestation of the light thereof. Your emotions can blind you. Your sin will blind you. Things of the world will distract you. I want you to know, yet God's love for you remains true unchangeable, the same forever and forever. Now, I'm not talking about some God is love, so we're all going to get to heaven 
No, no, my friend, we're going to get into this this morning. But we must understand that we've got to think rightly about God's love. We must believe rightly about God's love. And then we must respond rightly to God's love. Because it begs a response. It demands a response. When God reveals something, He doesn't do it just to go, do whatever with it you want. It demands a right response. And those who do not respond by faith will be in a world of hurt. The good news is, dear Christian, there is nothing that you can do today that will make you God love any more than He did yesterday. Not one thing. And that also means that there is not one thing that you will do today that will make, you God, that will make God love you any less. God loves you despite you. Despite who I am, God still loves me. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Let's get into this. We're going to see three things today. First of all, we're going to see in the first portion of John chapter 3, verse 16, God's love proclaimed. Now here we're going to see this tense meeting. In this chapter, we see that in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 21, it is a summary of the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the Jews, according to verse number 1 of chapter 3, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. It was much more than God was with him. He was God. God in the flesh. God put on flesh. Lived a sinless and perfect life. Yet this same Jesus lived his life, surrendered to the will of the Father, the, one of, the will of the one who sent him, and submitted to the work of the Spirit through him. And what we find is that he is not just merely an example of what it means to be a good person or a good teacher. He is perfection with legs and flesh, with a heartbeat. He is God. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, a man who knew what it meant to be right on the outside and to think rightly and to know rightly. Nicodemus had an educational knowledge of God. He knew all the attributes about God, all of what we've been studying, and yet it had never been applied to his heart. He had never experienced it. And it must be experienced by faith alone that you trust him, that you trust that he is God. Jesus put it to him this way. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Today the message is the same. Unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. You will die and go to hell unless you are born again. And let's confuse Nicodemus. How can a man be born again? Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? You can hear it in his voice, the way he's talking to Jesus, going, that makes no sense. Jesus gives the answer here, though. He proclaims the love of God. And here what we find is the verb tenses, starting in verse 16, in this section that we read this morning, change from the present tense, which is what the first 15 verses are dealing with, into the aorist tense, which shows a completed action with a future implication and impact. It continues. So now what John is doing here is he is looking back in John 3.16 as Jesus is speaking. Jesus changes the verb tense to show that according to the mind and the eyes of God, it is already as if Christ has been crucified and when He looks at your life and my life, it has already been done for. God sees it. It is full and final and complete. We must trust the completed work of Jesus. Jesus. 
God does not need your work to save you. He just needed the work of Christ to save you. And it is the work of Christ and His love to reveal the love of God to us by His grace that we can now freely respond to His love by faith and be born again as Jesus told Nicodemus He must be. Outside of that, there is no salvation or there will ever be salvation. And if we are to move forward in our faith, it must be by continuously looking back to who Christ is and what He has done for us. Faith does not look at our past sin, nor does it look at our future potential of what we think we might end up being, nor does it look at the problems of today. It looks back to Calvary. It looks back to the blood-stained old rugged cross where Jesus Christ bled and died for your sins and mine. It looks back to the gift that God gave that is the gift of all gifts. It looks back to the grace that has been provided. It looks back to the watch that God has given. If God gave you a watch, are you honoring Him more by asking Him what time it is or simply consulting the watch? Today, if you need to know that God loves you and you struggle with love, you struggle with, with, with Him being your Father, you, you struggle with the whole thing, look to Jesus on the cross. And here the love of God is proclaimed. For God so loved. We must know that this is one of the most wonderful truths in all the Scripture. There's a reason why this is one of the first Awana verses you might learn. One of the first. How many, of the, how many out there this morning, this was the first verse that you memorized? Right? Why? Because it's what we need to know. God so loved the world. Now there's kinds of love found in the New Testament. Different words that are used in the New Testament for love, and I want to look at that. First of all, there's a word that's used, and it's not this one. There's a word that's eros. It is a romantic or sexual love. It is often identified with a lustful love. And I can tell you this, there's a great difference between lust and love. As a matter of fact, what happens is you fall in and out of lust. We teach our young people that love is lust. That what they lust after, oh, that's, oh yeah, they love. We throw around the word love so much that we no longer know what it means. Or how we're using it. You know how we ought to use the word love? How God uses it. And praise God that in John 3.16, love here is not eros. Because eros love is fleshly motivated. It is a self-preserving, self-pleasing love. How do you think a marriage is going to work based on lust? Not too good. Second, there's philia, where we get Philadelphia. It is where we get the idea of brotherly love. This kind of love is a give and take love. It is often like this. I scratch your back, and brother, you scratch mine. It is this give and take. And give and take. And you say, well, that sounds a lot better. It is a lot better. Matter of fact, this is the kind of love that 
you and I should have for one another, but even deeper, you and I should have this next kind of love that is found in this word in John 3.16. It's not eros. It's not that God has a, a brotherly love for you. Right? What's up, man? You're my brother. No. This word here is the verb of agape. Love. In the aorist, that He loved the world long before anyone in the world loved Him, long before I, who is a part of the world, loved Him, He loved me first. Valentine's Day and anniversaries always bring up something as couples begin to reminisce. They go, do you remember who said I love you first? You guys are already chuckling. You know why? Because you've had that argument before, haven't you? And we think, who said it first? Like it matters, right? <laughs> but to us, we go, well, I said it first, so therefore I loved you longer. And we try to make it all romantic and boastful or whatever it might be. There's no debate here. God loved you first. Praise God that He did. This word of God, it is unconditional, self-sacrificial. This is not a love that is fleshly motivated or self-motivated. This is not a love that is give and take only. Rather, this is a love that gives, 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 and keeps giving. There has never been a day in your life that God's love has not given you something. If, you've all, if all God gave to you today besides your salvation was that you have breath in your lungs, God gave you an awful lot. God has given and given and given. And I can tell you this from my own life. I have taken and taken and taken and I've hardly given anything back. As a matter of fact, the great truth about God's love is that His love for me is not dependent upon me working to earn it or to gain it or even to prove my love for Him. He's proved His love for me and that's enough. He's proved His love for me in this relationship and that is more than enough. For God so loved the world. Now, you got the idea in the English of so is in the sense of so, I love you so much. And we say that with our words. But the agape love, it does more than just saying, I love you so much. I love you very much. It is I demonstrate it because you can't sacrifice with only words. He shows it with actions and he puts it to the test. He says, this is my love for you. For God so loved the world. God's love is only self-sacrificial, only self-giving. God is always giving to us by His grace and love. But you and I today must receive His love by faith. Or else you will remain in your sin, still believing that you are unloved by God, unloved by anyone. And I want you to know, you might be unworthy of all of it, but yet He still loves you. That He gave His Son for you. We find this word world, and this is important here. God so loved the world. It is as plain as that. Here you look at the word world, it is the word cosmos. It's where we, it sounds a lot like the cosmos, doesn't it? It's all of His creation. There is not one molecule that is untouched by His love. There is not one molecule that is not loved by Him. Not one. 
Not one. That includes you. Now, I've heard plenty who try to take this word world here and this verse and to manipulate it to mean a select few. That's not the case here. God so loved the world. God loves all of His creation from the rebel sinner to the redeemed saint. I cannot fathom it. I cannot grasp it. I cannot understand it. But I can and must trust it. God loves me. If you get nothing else to take, God loves you. And He showed it by having His Son die in your stead. Now here's this understanding that we've got to get though about this world. God so loved the world. Does this mean that all the world will be saved? No, it does not. Why? Because not all the world, one, will hear the gospel, two, by faith respond to the gospel. Though God reveals His love to the world, not all will be saved. You say, well, what does that mean? The atonement is for the world, but the redemption is only for those that believe in Him. You will be left unredeemed, unsaved by God if you do not trust Him for salvation. Unless you believe the Gospel of Christ, you will die and waste the atoning blood of Jesus shed for your sins. That's a sad reality. The price has been paid, but the payment is only applied to your account by grace through faith. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me? God made the way for you to be saved today. Today, the only reason why you will not be saved is because you will be left unregenerate by not trusting Him. Unbelief. That's it. Salvation is available to all. That's the atonement. But not all will receive redemption. Salvation. The price has been paid, but love wants to apply it to your life. You've got to respond to it today. Have you come to that place, first of all, before we go any further, that you said yes to the love of God in Christ? That you said, God, I'm unworthy. I'm unable. But you're worthy and you're able and you love me and I don't understand why you would, how you could but I trust that You do love me because Your Son died for me. You've shown me Your love. Therefore, I've got to trust Your love. And the moment that you trust what He has done for you, there, His love is applied. God's grace reveals His saving love, but faith must respond with saving faith in His love. Faith cometh by hearing. and Hearing by the Word of God. Today, I want you to know, we've at least heard this much that God loves you, that He sent His Son, that He died for you, He rose again according to the Scriptures on the third day and offer you salvation. All you must do today is believe, trust Him. That's it. You've heard. Will you believe? You say, I've heard that before. I've already believed. Good, you need to hear it again. I know so many Christians who have forgotten the love of God for their heart. So many Christians who are living thinking that they have lost God's love or God's favor upon them. I want you to know that even you, dear rebellious or carnal or fleshly or unsurrendered Christian, 
God loves you and He loves you enough that He wants you to surrender. He wants to give you much more. I believe that God would reveal much more to us if we would respond much more to Him. What we see today now is God's love personified. God's love is not just a word. It's a person. Personified. Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is love in the flesh. God's love for us in the flesh. And His love is not like our love. It is only giving and giving. And He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus Christ is the expressed image of God. Jesus Christ makes the invisible visible. Without Jesus, we would never know the love of God. Without Jesus, we would only know the law of God. Jesus takes us from the law to grace by His wonderful love for His Father and for those He died for. I can't see God's love for me unless I look to Christ. I can't see God's love for me unless I look to the cross. And here's our issue. We can't see God's love for the unlovable that we can't stand half the time because we refuse to see them as a soul and light of the cross. You and I are more quickly to damn people to hell than God is. Because we refuse to love them as God does. We get all riled up at the world. And we think we have a right to do so. God's the only one that does. And yet, He still has that price that has been paid and waiting to apply the payment on their account, but they must hear the Gospel. And I will tell you, you will never share the Gospel with anybody until you begin to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Until you, and you'll never get to that place unless you surrender. And furthermore, you'll never share the Gospel with a soul until you love them. Love shares. Love gives. And we have been given the greatest gift, the greatest message that there ever has been, that there ever will be. And it is that Christ Jesus is the love of God in the flesh expressed to us. And now we must call others to experience the love of God by faith. They must believe. But they will never believe if they never hear. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tells us this. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who command the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. Notice that. He's the image of God. That is the shining light of the knowledge of the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. If you want to know if God loves you or not, look to Christ today. God's love reveals Himself. Our salvation and sanctification found in it. 1 John tells us this. God, God's grace saves us. But it is His love that gives grace. 1 John chapter 4 tells us in verse 7-10, through 10, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Where would love come from? God. You don't know 
love unless you know God. But when you know Him, you know love. Real love. Everlasting love. Infinite love. Unbreakable, unshakable, unchangeable love. But everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Today as we've talked about, God is love. And this was manifested love of God. Much like John 3.16 here, it's, it's sort of repeating the pattern, if you will. Same guy. Here, and this was manifested love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world. Notice that the same. That we might live through Him. There is only life and love in Christ Jesus. Outside of Him, you will never have life. Not just now, but forever. You will not have love now. And forever must be in Christ. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 19, we love Him because He first loved us. And yet we struggle loving one another. We struggle loving the church. We struggle loving our wives as we ought to. Husbands, you know what God called you to do? He told you how to be a good husband. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. Think about that. Love gives. Give yourself to the love of God. Without Jesus Christ, we wouldn't have God's love revealed, nor would we respond. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus displays and demonstrates the deep love of God. We have seen God's love proclaimed. We have seen it personified in the personal work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now, and, and this is it, it must be personalized. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and here's where it gets personal, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Every person that has ever been saved is a whosoever. Every person that will ever be saved is a whosoever. I'm looking at a room full of whosoever, and you are looking at another whosoever himself. Matter of fact, there used to be a song you used to sing, Whomsoever surely meaneth me. And it still does. Even me. Faith, belief here, believeth in Him. Not our works, but His work. Not our goodness, but His goodness. Not what we've done or what we might do, but what He's done and will do. Must believe. Faith is belief, trust, dependence. And I love this as well. We miss this nuance of faith. And many Christians are living without it. It is entrusting oneself to another. Closest picture that God has given to us besides the cross about what love looks like is we talk about it at marriage. We stand here, we got the one here, and they're holding their hands here, and then the other one's over here, and they're, and they're staring at each other. And there's the preacher back here, and he's going... They don't pay me enough for this thing. Food better be good. Smiling. 
And everybody's talking about the love that day. They look into each other's eyes and they, they love each other. We've got to understand this is to picture what the Lord has done for us. What I tell every bride and every groom, I don't just ask him, do you love him? Of course. Always. Always and forever. <laughs> yeah, wait till you watch him brush his teeth and scratch his belly. And not take out the trash. Wait till you watch as he doesn't lead your home. And he spends more time at work or at the bar than with you. Wait till you see him at his worst. And I tell every groom, wait till you see her at her worst. She's cute now. She'll always be. But she ain't going to be perfect. These are two imperfect people. But what is, what is faith here? Would you call getting married sort of a step of faith to get on that escalator, if you will, as we talked about earlier? That's right. And it's a daily choice, isn't it? Faith is entrusting oneself to another. When that father walks down from the back with his daughter arm in arm, the reason why we have that giving away, entrusting her to you. And there's something much deeper. That wedding, God is entrusting that young lady to that young man. And feelings ain't going to cut the mustard. The both must entrust themselves to one another. That's faith. And they must entrust their marriage, their money, and every moment of their life to God. We miss that faith is an entrusting oneself to another. That's what the men of old and what we've heard this morning already, what God would call surrender. Real faith surrenders to God in love. Love has won the battle. Love has won the war. So we may as well give up the white flag here and surrender to God's love in our life. Now look at this personal possession that has been given. This is personal. Have everlasting life. I'm saved and I have everlasting life. There's not a thing you can do about it. I'm saved and have everlasting life and there's not a single thing I can do about it. Except live in light of it. The only way I'll ever do that is by trusting Him and trusting myself to Him every day. Everlasting life is a gift revealed by God's grace and received by faith. God loves you and wants you to live in the light his great love for you today. I want to conclude this message with this and we'll prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper during a time of invitation. There's a hymn we sang, I believe, at this past conference, but I want to share with you a couple of verses of it. Listen to these words. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away. 
as wounds which mar the chosen one, bring many sons to glory. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, His wounds have paid my ransom. Do you know the love of God today? That God is love. Let me ask you, unsaved soul today, have you ever surrendered to the love of God today? Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ with your salvation, with your eternity? I promise you the moment that you trust Him, that you entrust your life, your eternity to Him, you, you call upon the name of the Lord to save you, He will save you and give you Himself. Today, dear Christian, when are you going to fully entrust yourself to the love of God? When are you going to let the love of God rule in your life much more than the law of God? When are you going to let the love of God rule in your life and control? It is the love of Christ compelleth me, constraineth me. When will we let that be us? Today, as we prepare our hearts during this time of invitation, I want you to think that this is not just a cracker and a little thing of juice or just some ceremony. This is a reminder of the love of God. God loves you. Let's all stand this morning. We'll have an invitation hymn today. If you need to come and you need to trust Jesus, you need to experience the expressed love of God today, come and trust Christ. I'll take the Bible and show you Jesus. Ask Him to save you. He'll save you. Today, if you're struggling in your walk, if you're struggling with sin, Look no further than Jesus Christ, the manifestation of the love of God. What number are we singing today, brother? 489. 489, number 489. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Amen. You may be seated. This time we're going to prepare our hearts now for the Lord's Supper. I hope you took most of that invitation to pray and ask the Lord 
Search your heart. I'm going to ask at this time too as well if the brothers who are going to be passing out the Lord's table, if you come and place yourself here on the first pew or at least be up here in the front somewhere on a pew and we can get to you quickly. As we come to the Lord's table, today I want you to know this is not just a cracker. This is not just a little piece of, ju- not a little piece of cracker, a little, little bit of juice. This is to represent what Christ has done for us. This is a reminder that God so loved me that Jesus Christ's body was broken and His blood was shed to save me because in my body and in my blood there is no salvation. We must be saved by the precious sacrifice and blood of Jesus Christ. Today as we come to this, it is also a unifier. It reminds us of our unity that we have, our union with God. Our union with God in Christ Jesus. It reminds us as well of the union that we have in the body of Christ with one another. That it draws us together in union and communion with one another. That we now have fellowship with one another and fellowship with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Today as we partake as well, I want you to know that this is not for your salvation. This is in celebration of your salvation. This is to celebrate that there was a point and a time in your life that Jesus saved you. But as well, this is a reminder that every day we need the work of God in our life. That we need fellowship open and continual with our Heavenly Father and with His church. And the only way to have either one is once more through Christ. I want to read this passage of Scripture for us and I'll pray. And then we'll pass out the elements one by one. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, For I have received of you the Lord, of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. And he is coming. Wherever, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Do you know Christ today? But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And Paul's there from what folks had died in the first century church there at Corinth because they allowed sin to rule in their life and not Christ. They had idols and immorality rampant. And they had surrendered themselves to their own lust.